Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Seriously, the podcast from the new statesman that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week we're talking about the film Wonder Woman and the BBC3 comedy White Gold. We've also watched the Channel 4 comedy Flowers, so we'll be talking about how that went later in the show. Hello! Hello! Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. It is a very dreary, damp day in London today. We're Ugh. both quite soggy. Yes. But we have some really exciting news for you. Yeah, so the next Seriously quiz is about to go on sale and we can announce that it is a Game of Thrones quiz. I want to sing the music, but I'm not going to. Mama, mama, mama. <laughs> I, yeah, this is going to be a real stretch for me because I get all the names of every character really confused all the time. And I can just already see, like, you know, some really knowledgeable Game of Thrones people being like, that is not their name. <laughs> yeah, we might have to call in the quiz testers like we did for the Gilmore Girls quiz. Yeah, that's so true. But Yes, anyways, if you're listening to this today, Tuesday, tickets go on sale tomorrow, the 7th of June at midday. Yeah, and if you're someone who's not based in London and feels frustrated about all our London-based quizzes and you love Game of Thrones, hit us up, be a quiz tester, test that quiz for us. That would be amazing. We'll be tweeting and Facebooking the link where you can buy tickets or you can go to seriouslypod.com forward slash events. And while you're there, you can check out other stuff we're doing this summer, which we'll be talking about in future episodes. Yeah, how exciting for all involved. I know I keep talking about yeah this summer's going to be great loads of cool podcast not stuff not if it's like this <laughs> not if it keeps raining I'm going to be really really grumpy I know it's like walking out into like a tropical storm oh. today but never mind on with the summer the first thing we're going to talk about is Wonder Woman the new film from DC Comics which stars Gal Gadot as the titular Wonder Woman the film is also directed by Patty Jenkins. I a think lady. A, a lady doing a comic book film. Yeah, I think, isn't she the first to direct a major comic book movie? She's definitely the first that I'm aware of. This is also the first film outing for Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. who I think I'm right saying there was a TV show in the past. She was in that terrible Batman versus Superman film. Yeah played by Gal Gadot in, in her first mm-hmm. outing in the role. But this is the first, like, headline Wonder yeah. Woman film. I used to want to save the world. This beautiful place. But the closer you get, the more you see the great darkness within. I was looking into it and they've been trying to make this movie for a really long time. <laughs> Do you remember they had Joss Whedon attached to it, apparently, I mean, in like 2010? And then that, that all fell apart and 
Yeah, so it's something that they've been trying to make work for many years, it seems. Yeah, and it's done really well at the box office, we should say. Yeah, it's done amazingly. There have been so many kind of really vocally positive responses to it. Like you wrote a whole thing about the women-only screenings yeah. that have cropped up. Yeah. yeah, which excite me, only because they annoy straight, white, cis men. <laughs> yeah, we've seen a little bit of the of a rehearsal of the Ghostbusters. mm reaction yeah. i feel like yeah exactly but i mean i th- still think that a lot of men are going to and enjoying this movie mm. despite all of the controversy about the women only screenings which is fun so it's basically been a good thing for women it's it been seems. a good thing full stop and i've seen so many adorable social media posts of like gal gadot and mini wonder women oh, in no. cosplay that's so cute I, I loved seeing that was one of the things before we talk about the movie itself was I I loved seeing kids in my screening just like running around after it finished and like crossing their arms over in front of them like Wonder Woman does with her kind of like amulety armor, and yeah, it's just like oh they feel inspired they want to be Wonder Women this is cute it's just unequivocally a good thing to have a really like strong female role model mm-hmm. amongst all of the male superheroes yeah so anyway we should say what we think of the film itself the movie the movie which is. I think our first proper summer blockbuster. Yeah, me and Caroline were just trying to debate this a minute ago. And we did do Pirates of the Caribbean last week, but it didn't bust any blocks. <laughs> we don't know what blockbuster, where it came from. I, I feel like we've talked about this before on the podcast, but if people can, you know, direct us to an etymology of blockbuster and tell us how to define one, because I feel like busting blocks means like making money yeah being big time but anyway so i feel like this is our first of what is the now traditional summer comic book movie Mm -hmm. run this is the first one that we've enjoyed and i did enjoy it did you yes i think one thing that i always have to caveat any comic book movie or comic book discussion with is that i am not super into comics and i think sometimes it can be frustrating for people who are big fans of comic book movies when they see like these films getting bad reviews by film critics who just like aren't interested in the genre because then you know how can you judge whether it's a good example of the genre or not so yeah full confession i'm not that into comics i think writing about comic book movies is always one of the hardest parts of my job where i'm like Mm. dc marvel what what's happening (laughs) who owns this i'm confused but having said that i did really really like this movie i thought especially for me i prefer the kind of you know when there's like a few jokes here and there and it's like wonder woman trying to adjust to her normal life and stuff like that and this is like basically an origin story comic book movie isn't it so you do get lots of leading up to her doing her first big fight scenes yeah so i really enjoyed the first third of the movie particularly when it's set on this paradise island Mm. where wonder woman whose name is diana she's part of a race of incredible warrior women mm-hmm. that the amazons and they live on this secret uncharted island and they're there to like protect the world from the return of the god of war um but I, mostly when she's just growing up she's just like learning how to do awesome sword fighting from um claire from house of cards yes exactly and uh, there was something i really liked about those scenes where all these like warrior women are just fighting and someone in a review uh, i can't remember who it was or which review apologies wrote something like we get no insight as to what they any of these women do other than fight each other all day every day which kind of adds to the like glorious camp of the whole thing because you all you ever see them do is just like beat the shit out of each other and it's kind of great mm-hmm. i really enjoyed those scenes mm-hmm. and when like tiny diana is running around being like give me a sword i want to go and yeah oh you're not old enough yeah um i really enjoyed all of that then mysterious handsome pilot crashes into the lovely sea of their island Mm -hmm. and a load of german soldiers 
he he turns out to be an American spy. Loads of German soldiers follow him through the the veil of mystery that surrounds their island, and they have a really heartbreaking battle on the beach where all of the Amazons are like firing their fiery arrows and mm. doing their balletic leaps off horses, and the Germans are just shooting their actual bullets at them in a way that's really upsetting. Mm. But anyway, this introduces Diana Wonder Woman to the concept of world war and human horror and she returns to the real world with the american pilot spy man to you know try and sort it all out chris pine is kind of chilling on the island and they get to have lots of fun dialogue about like men versus women and the modern day world as 1918 people know it versus Mm. her kind of island paradise and then they head off in a boat and they end up in London. And I quite liked that. that we get to see a bit of London in this massive mm. American blockbuster in, you know, the 19-teens. What do you call that decade? I guess you'd call that the 19? teens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, she gets there. They're like by Tower Bridge on a boat. And he's like, welcome to London. And she's like, it's hideous. <laughs> and I was like, relate. <laughs> I absolutely relate. So yeah, and then we get lots of fun scenes with Lucy Davies, one of my favourite actresses, mm. who plays Dawn in the UK version of The Office, being Chris Pine's secretary. And yeah, I just really loved all the dialogue from that bit, which I called My Fair Lady-esque and my boyfriend called Sexy Elf. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, oh, what's it? It's actually on TV Tropes yeah oh i know it's like Uh, like sexy baby or whatever where a normally female character is sort of completely naive and has to be taught everything Mm. but is mysteriously incredibly sexy while this is happening yeah but she can't they kind of flip the script on it a bit because she's just like not letting go of her sword the whole time Mm. and like kind of refuses to listen to anyone which is nice and there's a line shortly after that where chris pine is like stay back and then she like defends him from a bullet with her super armor and he's like okay maybe not maybe (laughs) maybe step forward (laughs) um so yeah i quite like that what did you think of the dynamic between steve trevor and diana in this movie i wasn't that into it in the sense that like i didn't really mind that much whether he was in a scene or not Mm. he was okay i actually after watching the film, warmed up to the character a little bit more after watching Chris Pine's opening monologue on SNL, in which he did a whole song about how to recognise Chris Pine from the other Chris's. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because he is definitely like one of those like Evans, Hemsworth, ooh, kind of people. He's definitely a generic superhero movie, Chris. And also it reminded me of the parallels with the first Captain America film, Mm -hmm. in which, I'm going to get this right now, Chris Evans plays a character called Steve Rogers. Yes, and this also reminded me, probably because it's exactly the same character, reminded me of Agent Carter's Steve. That's the same guy. Yeah, that's, yeah it's the same character. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But like, why is this such a thing? And I am going to say a big spoiler now. So if you haven't seen Wonder Woman, go and see Wonder Woman before I say this. Why is the like superhero slash fighter pilot who sacrifices himself such a trope? <laughs> well, these comic books... I I think I'm right in saying were originally written as like part of wartime propaganda. Yeah, it was like World War Two. They their origins are very much in World War Two, aren't they? So I guess that's just why. That's that was just the conception of heroism, Um, which is interesting in its own right. But anyway, so uh, Wonder Woman keeps insisting that Chris slash Steve take her to the front so that she can fight all the evil people Mm -hmm. which she proceeds to then do. I found the scene where she leaps out of a trench and runs into the bullets 
very moving in yeah. a way that I was not expecting. So did I. And I read a review. One of the Guardian, I don't know if it was Guardian America or UK or Australia or whatever, but one of the Guardian reviews was like, oh, I find it um, quite co-opting and upsetting to see her just like win World War One by just like walking out of the trenches and you're like oh for God's sake like all of all the like appropriation things to get annoyed about this is not it <laughs> Wonder Woman like being in a war not it <laughs> but he was like oh if only she'd arrived earlier maybe the Nazis wouldn't be a thing and you're like no come on that's not what this film is saying I really enjoyed the little action sequence where they're trying to protect these people in this German village that's being overrun by mm-hmm. the army and. She essentially punches a church in, <laughs> yeah, yeah. in order to get rid of a sniper, but her little crew of... Um, she just like flings herself into the church, doesn't she? Yeah, well, so like Steve and his little band of mates who are helping them get to the front all get under a big piece of metal and she jumps and like boosts off it and they boost her up. I thought, oh, this is so symbolic. They are like lifting the woman to uh, achieve the greater <laughs> act. Yeah, that's so true. I never thought of it. Um, And then she punches the church. Yeah. (laughs) And everything's fine. Yeah, exactly. There's some really fun action stuff like that because I can find myself quite often losing interest in Mm. very action-heavy movies. And I think, yeah, it was done with quite fun humour and stuff. So, yeah, I still enjoyed it. We were talking before about how it's kind of confusing in terms of setting because it's set in World War One, and as we were saying, you associate comic book movies quite heavily with World War Two, mm. and also there's a lot of like chemical weapons kind of plot stuff that makes me think more of World War Two. I also think the cartoon Germans in this are very like cartoon German Nazis, mm. so it, it's a it is a bit confusing sometimes. If they didn't keep referring to the armistice, which is a very like World War One thing, yeah. and occasionally the Kaiser, yeah. it would be easy to get confused about where it was set. Yeah. When rather. I did like the way that we went back in time for this because it's actually got like a framing device, hasn't it? Where mm. Wonder Woman, who apparently is some sort of like archaeologist slash exhibition curator at the Louvre at the Louvre so we see Diana in Paris at the beginning and end um, very very briefly and that's kind of fun because you get the sense that actually maybe all the Wonder Woman movies could start like that and then go Mm. back in time and like explore one of her like historic great wins and I like that idea a lot and Patty Jenkins has said that she's the next one they're going to do because it seems like they are going to do a second because they have you know made quite a lot of money out of this one that it's going to be kind of maybe 1930s America, which sounds quite fun. That would be interesting. Yeah, and they've got plenty of time to explore World War Two and that kind of thing. So. Wonder Woman is also in the Justice League movie that's out this autumn. Oh, yeah. Which I think is her and Batman and Superman and Spider-Man. Oh. I could be wrong. So they're getting to jump around in time quite a lot because mm. those are modern day set, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, so I, th- I think it's... This is probably a really, really facile comment. And I am sorry, anyone who's really into these comics yeah. and knows more about them. This is not our area. This is like the Avengers, but DC. Uh, okay, cool. So um, I think they're trying to create the same thing where they have like the multi-character franchise and then also the spin-off separate movies. And I guess it's normal for superheroes to like not visibly age. Yeah, so you're fine. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, in conclusion, Wonder Woman is definitely, I think, the best comic book movie I have seen in a very long time. Right. This is an interesting point I was discussing with a friend last night. Do you make a distinction between comic book movies and movies? So you're like, it's a great comic book movie, but an okay movie. If I do do that, it's more because I just know that I'm not in that into the genre, not because mm. I think of the genre as like lesser than other movies. But I think when you're working within existing tropes and stuff, it can never be like a, 
like I feel like you might be like it's a really weird comic book movie mm. but it might not that might not make it a really weird movie because there are kind of generic constraints there right but yeah. I think this is a good movie I think it's a really fun movie not just a fun comic book movie So the next thing we're going to talk about is White Gold, which is a BBC comedy, which is written and created, directed by Damon Beasley, who was one of the two writers of very popular franchisee comedy, The Inbetweeners, which he co-wrote with Ian Morris. And White Gold stars Ed Westwick playing this guy, Vincent, who's a bit of a wheeler dealer, and he finds a new career in double glazing selling, door-to-door salesman trying to flog people new windows. Uh, And it also stars Joe Thomas and James Buckley, who played Simon and Jay in The Inbetweeners. You're looking at a room of double glazing salesmen. You could sell ice to a Eskimo. But Eskimos don't need ice. Why would I sell it to them? You realise there is no part of this I cannot see. Have you given her a house full of free windows just to win a bet? What? This is what I do. Oh, crucially, it's set in the 80s. Yeah, that's I feel like a, that's, that's a, a big thing. It's I should a very have big thing about yeah. this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, set in 1980s Essex, which is a really fun setting for a comedy show, I think, and quite an unusual choice. Yeah, definitely for, you know, as you say, a creator who's had such success with like contemporary comedy mm. to do a period one. Well, I interviewed uh, creator Damon Beasley and he said that The Inbetweeners was originally meant to be set in the late 80s, early 90s, because yeah. that's when he was a teenager. The very first kind of episode draft that they drew up had like the Stone Roses on the radio and, mm. you know, all this quite like period specific stuff. But then when it was in development, it was decided that actually it would have more of a chance, you know, resonating with young viewers if it was set in the modern day. So that's why they went for that, which was obviously a good choice because it was extremely successful but I feel like the creator now is just trying to explore that a period in time that means quite a lot to him so that's Mm. quite fun the very first episode kind of opens with these almost like explanatory setting the scene kind of like there's a bit of a monologue from yeah there's a Vince monologues a lot yeah and there's kind of a montage type thing where it's like yeah and then we did a loan with this guy and then we set this up and then boom my car yeah exactly and so it's kind of like breaking the fourth wall I mean it made me think of like 80s stuff like Ferris Bueller Mm. where it's kind of like a bit OTT you know, addressing the camera. And then you also get these kind of slightly more unusual use of archive footage, even at one point where they're like showing, um, I think it's right at the beginning of the first episode, kind of like, oh, this was like Thatcher's Britain, Oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. But that was quite fun for me as someone who like doesn't really know anything particularly about the period. So it was quite a fun way of introducing it. So yeah, Ed Westwick in the lead role, literally so charismatic. Like, what the hell? Yeah, he, because I have to say, I, I didn't not like the show, but I also didn't massively like it. Slightly just 
slid off my eyes, if you know what I mean. If it weren't for him, I don't think I would really notice it was on. He really has this like amazing charisma. And so Ed Westwick, people will remember him as Chuck Bass in Gossip Girl if you've seen any of his stuff. So he had this massive American huge role and he's done lots of other like big things since then. But it's quite nice to see him in something small and British like this. I guess it's a bit like, wasn't Taylor Lautner in a small British BBC Three comedy? You know, the guy oh, from Twilight. Oh, probably, yeah. It's that kind of transition, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, which is always quite fun to see. So, yeah, I really liked that. It meant that I was, like, misreading some of the episodes, like, because I the, he's so sexual. He's, like, literally dripping, like, sexual mm. energy the whole time. It's, like, not just normal charisma. It's, like, very, very sexual charisma. And it's so ott all the time i would be like oh he's gonna have sex with that guy oh he's gonna have <laughs> sex with that guy and like he's not but yes i, I know what you mean yeah. but i was like reading the plot in like these wild directions but it also gives him quite a nice sense of unpredictability because you're like what the fuck is he gonna do next because mm. you just feel like anyone there would have sex with him and like any i don't know there's something quite that was one of the things that i found most interesting about this and when i spoke to this guy damon beasley he was like that's basically what i think selling is it's when you like mm. charm someone so much. And he was talking about this movie, Glen Gary, Glen Ross, which yeah. I haven't seen. Have you seen it? Yeah, it's a it's quite a famous play that was um, made into a movie. Right. And which is about estate agents. Right. And he was saying that there's a bit in that where Al Pacino is selling something to Jonathan Price. And you're like, are they going to have sex? Are they going to have sex? Are they going to have, oh, they're going to have sex. And then <laughs> he just like whips out the contract and the guy's like signs his life away. And you're like, oh. <laughs> so yeah, I quite like, I liked that element of it a lot um and then the comedy i think is very much in that in between as vein in that kind of like boys teasing each other lots of insults flying around lots of men behaving badly that kind of thing yes very much so and yeah i would say i mean the female characters in it are not particularly prominent or well drawn necessarily vince's wife I forget her name. Sam. Sam. She gets a bit of a, I mean, I've only watched the first episode, but she gets a bit of a two-timing plot, but she, in the end, capitulates to the charisma like everyone else yeah. does. That is actually one of the things I think is best, the best thing about this show is their relationship, which gets a lot more screen time and mm. a lot more development and actually doesn't necessarily go the way you'd think it mm. might go with her just being like, oh, well, thanks for my nice house or whatever. It's like, that's quite well done, I think. So that might be worth, um, sticking around for i thought it was quite similar to loaded which we talked about last week although it yeah. has lots of differences in terms of setting and, and humor and everything but th there's a sort of vague tone and this kind of idea of like men suddenly getting this enormous wealth that they don't know what to do with which i think is comparable yeah i thought it had quite a lot in common there as well also there's the slightly performative dialogue style Mm. as well just kind um, of stylized yeah sort of in the way that samuel anderson's character in loaded does that quite a lot he like talks to the group but he's also talking to you at home mm. you know yeah yeah definitely um so yeah it's all on iplayer so it's an easy thing to get hold of and it's a fun watch mm.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So last week we watched Flowers, a 4OD comedy starring Julian Barrett and Olivia Coleman, and it's a weird depression comedy, basically. It opens with Julian Barrett's character basically trying to kill himself, failing, and then trying to like hide all evidence that this was something he tried to do. And he's also a children's book author, so you get these weird kind of narrative voiceovers where he's talking about everyone as though they're the characters in his children's book. Caroline, what did you make of it? I absolutely loved it. It's so strange, but I found it almost like a comfort watch in the way that I found black books to be comforting. Because if that makes sense. Yeah, it it makes sense. I just had the complete opposite reaction. Oh, really? Okay. Because in black books, like the Dylan Moran character, he's so objectionable and so horrible. And yet somehow you really root for him. Yeah. And I found the same about the Julian Barrett character in this. It's like, I think you might be awful. Yeah, he definitely is. But somehow I I want everything to work out for you. Black Books is a really interesting comparison because I used to watch loads of Black Books and I didn't have a problem with this specific thing in Black Books. But in this... I almost couldn't watch it because I know this sounds really stupid and weird and like I've probably got some sort of problem, but it was so messy. <laughs> <laughs> really? What the, and I, the didn't, I didn't like looking at it. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It is just grubby. It's really grubby. And like there's this weird like explosion in the first episode of like fumigated smoked cheese fondue mess. And it's a really horrible dark color and it goes everywhere. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to, I like, literally don't want to be watching this. So I watched the first episode and then I tried to watch the second episode with some lunch that was like problematically a very dark green sludgy colour and I like had to turn it off 10 minutes in because I was like, <laughs> I actually, this is making me like not want to eat my lunch. It's making me unhappy. I don't enjoy this. I get that it's meant to be funny, but I feel sad and depressed. I'm not having a good time. Whereas with Black Books, when like Dylan Moran's character would like eat the mushrooms out of his he- own hair, I wouldn't care. Um, I'd find that funny. Oh, that's but... interesting. So I thought they were, I enjoyed them in the same way. I thought yeah. they were really similar. Um, yeah. And <laughs> I don't know why the, the mess in Black Books was almost endearing. Yeah. Like, you know, the thing how um, 
oh, there was a running gag in one episode where at the beginning Dylan Run would look up to see him and be like, why is there loads of toast stuck to my ceiling? Yeah. And then later on you'd see him like make himself a piece of toast, sit down, take a bite of it, go, gross, and then throw it and it would stick yeah. to the ceiling. And would be like, oh, that's how that gets there. Yeah, yeah. That, I don't know, that was kind of endearing. I just feel like it was like less HD mm. or like less, I don't know, <laughs> visible. I don't, it just it felt like it was more the power of suggestion. Like they would say mould rather than you'd like get a close up of some mould. Yeah, but maybe like, that's true. Maybe that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I just, so I ca- haven't really given this comedy much of a chance, to be honest, because <laughs> I've been in so, my brain has just been like, no, no, no. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know how far I'm going to get through through it what did you think of Olivia Coleman's character she's such a great actress obviously and there was actually one moment that I really liked (laughs) so this is right the opening of the second episode I don't know why this stuck with me so much because basically she's playing this over-the-top character so much she's so OTT nervous and doesn't know what she's doing that she's not that relatable but then there was a moment where there someone's saying oh um barbara's on the phone for you and she's like oh fucking barbara and she goes oh she says it's urgent and they're like taking this guy to the hospital because he's got terrible cheese burns and she goes well it's not as urgent as this is it <laughs> it just meant that made me really laugh it is very strange i as i say i think i'm gonna keep going with it i really liked it good um, i hope maybe you can get over the mess well maybe if you said tell me that the next episode like there's no i don't know even like the the horrible hangman's rope that you keep oh, seeing yeah. like i don't like looking at it it makes me feel sad and uncomfortable yeah it's fair enough um it's yeah. quite a brown show but i'm glad you enjoyed it anyway so do you have you seen anything on your searches for next week yeah so i've been rummaging in the pile of recommends again and found another thing that i feel like lots of people have recommended us it's been a massive you know critical success and we've just completely overlooked it which is catastrophe oh yeah oh i really need to watch this like stat so we have an email from Kiara, who is from the Netherlands. Hello, Kiara. Thank Hi. you for listening. And she says, Catastrophe is a Channel 4 comedy show about Sharon and Rob who get together after their few night stand, which got Sharon pregnant. So far, I imagine it sounds pretty straightforward and I promise you the trailer does not do it justice. What I love about it is the combination of comedy and deep humanity with the most lovable characters. It shows the sometimes harsh reality of having kids while also being laugh out loud funny thanks to the protagonists and their eccentric friends. Oh, that sounds wicked. Yeah, and I I know uh, our colleague Tom is a massive fan of Catastrophe as well. Yeah, and friend of the show Barbara Speed, who mm. often comes on. She's always telling me to watch this, so and I always enjoy her recommendations very much. So we're really behind on this one, so it's great to have an we opportunity are. to catch up. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from The New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, where you can also leave us a review if you'd like. We've got lots of events coming up this summer, including festivals, live episodes and quizzes. Find out more and buy tickets at seriouslypod.com events. We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. We're Seriously Pod on all of them. We love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or just hearing your thoughts on what we've discussed. Get in touch on social media or email us at seriouslypod at gmail.com. And if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously, spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.